to the Simply Healthy You podcast, your place for overcoming overwhelm with your health to reach your fullest potential. I'm your host, Casey Kane, and I am so pumped to have you here. I'm a recovering burnt out high achiever who was diagnosed with an autoimmune thyroid condition by my early 30s. I didn't realize that running myself ragged in the name of being superwoman and determined to achieve all the things in life was killing my body. I created this podcast so that you don't have to continue the struggle like I did for over a decade. I sat down, studied the data, and simplified what it means to prioritize your own health needs so that you can be the best for all the things on your to-do list. Everything you hear on this podcast, I have tested and implemented in my own super-packed life with my family to bring you the tips, tools, and strategies that will keep your life simply healthy. friend. Welcome to another episode of the Simply Healthy You podcast. I'm so grateful to be infiltrating your brain with today's topic. My name is Casey Kane. I'm a certified holistic nutritionist with a master's in psychology, and I am here to bring you science-based conversations to help you live a happier and healthier life. In today's episode, I want to talk about the best science-based diet because there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I think this needs to be cleared up. I've got a shorty but goody one here for you today. Maybe I've maybe I've coined a new a new phrase there, a shorty but goody, huh? <laughs> uh, you might think you know where I'm going with this, but stick with me here. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, stick with me for a minute because it might be a little bit surprising where this where this goes. When we look at the decades of literature and research studies and what we've seen over and over and over again. It actually shows us that there are many variations to a healthy diet. Yes, there is actually no one right diet. Yep, I said it. I put it out there into the world. There's no such thing. And the science very much supports that. Some of the best data that we have comes out of the blue zones of the world. I have mentioned these before. And if you're new here, you may have heard of these zones mentioned in the nutrition space, depending on who else that you might follow or read or listen to. The blue zones are the areas of the world where people consistently have the best health and longevity. And these places are very different in location. It is not just uh, geographically where they're located that is contributing to this. Uh, They have very different cultures in these blue zones and and the people are very different in these blue blue zones. So it's been determined that none of those things are playing a role in and of itself in the health and longevity of these people. The five blue zones are Okinawa, Japan, Icaria, Greece, Nicoya, Costa Rica, and uh, Costa Rica. <laughs> Costa Rica. Clearly, I'm having a hard time with pronouncing all of these things. Sardinia and Italy and Loma Linda, California. They are all over the map. Like they are not just a specific geographic location that is lending itself to having the best health and longevity. These populations have the highest number of centenarians. Centenarians, people aged 100 or over. Apparently in this episode, I'm just going to have a hard time pronouncing things and I'm not going to edit all of this out or redo it. So these populations have the highest number of centenarians, which are people aged centenarians, people aged 100 or over in the entire world. Out of all of the world's populations, this is where we have tracked them down to the five blue zones of the world. Someone from a blue zone is 10 times more likely to reach 100 plus years of age over the average American. How sad is that? (laughs) That is such a sad statistic. 10 times more likely to reach 100 plus years of age over the average American. 
listen, those friends of mine in America, and I, I mean, this is probably true of other countries as well. We can do better than this. We can do far better than this. So what is the common denominator amongst these populations in, in these blue zones? It's, it's very clear, actually. Again, we've looked at the environment. We've looked at the geographic location. We've looked at the culture, uh, the lifestyle. And it's very clear that 85% or more of their calories are coming from whole plant-based foods. Like it's, that is the common denominator amongst all of these populations who live very different lifestyles, very different cultural tendencies in these places. Like that is the common denominator. 85% or more of their calories are coming from whole plant-based foods. Some of these populations are plant exclusive. So more what we would consider a vegan diet, while some are plant predominant consuming meat an average of about five times a month with the serving size being similar to a deck of cards. If you look at the literature about the blue zones, this is on average what they saw in these populations for for the ones who are more plant predominant, not plant exclusive. It was meat about an average of five times a month with the serving size being similar to a deck of cards. Dairy is not a prominent component of any of these populations diets either. That's just not something that's appearing on their plates very often, if at all. Uh, it's not a very common thing in, in these places. Most of their protein is coming from things like beans and legumes in each of these populations. Some of the most popular ones are soybeans, black beans, fava beans, and lentils as some of the options that they are having most often uh, for a source of protein. While their diets are high in plants, they also consume very little saturated fat and almost no ultra processed food. So even though some of these areas, some of these blue zones are more flexible, they are plant predominant, not, you know, plant exclusive. They also are consuming little saturated fat and almost no ultra processed food. So that is a contributor to their health and longevity as well. This combination has really led them to these long-term health benefits in, in these populations. So there are other healthy lifestyle factors that these populations have. They are slightly different in each one of the areas. So we know that it is probably contributing in some way to the health and longevity, but it is not the key determining factor in their health and longevity because these things do look different. But they have, uh, in most of these areas, they have culturally prevalent ways of reducing stress. So they, they are not living the high stress lives that most of us are living, which can have a direct impact on our health and longevity. They participate in regular low-level exercise, uh, so even really high-intensity exercise is not always the greatest for you. For for uh, if you are a CrossFitter or a marathon runner, like you have to be mindful that that puts a a tremendous amount of stress on your body. And there are additional measures that you should be taking in your regular life when you are training and participating in those kinds of things to keep the stress levels of your body low. You may not be experiencing mental stress with the physical stress that you are putting on your body can definitely have an impact on your overall health. In these populations, they also notice that they have very close connections and community, and they have very tight-knit families. The nuclear family and even some of the extended family uh, tend to be very close. They work together with one another. They invest in uh, their time and energy into their relationships, their partnerships. They often have lifelong partners. There is not a high prevalence of divorce or family separation in these areas. But the similarity in the characteristics of their diets is really what is the key component. When they've teased out 
all of those other lifestyle factors that do help to contribute to the health and longevity of these populations, the really clear characteristic is the 85% plant predominant diets, whole food plants in their diets. So what does this mean for us as someone who doesn't live amongst these populations, but wants to live a long and healthy life? Isn't that all of us? Isn't that, I mean, don't we all want to spend more of our years being healthy and live longer in with those healthier years? Well, for starters, it means we have some flexibility, right? 85%. I often tell my clients 85, 90%. Uh, we've seen you know, the number was more like 90% for a while. Now we're seeing that it's it's kind of looking more like 85%, which is great. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. We're not calculating the exact percentage of your food on your plate every time when I work with my clients. But it, it just basically means we have flexibility, right? It, as long as the foundation is predominantly plants, we have flexibility as to what we get to choose for the the rest of that food and still be fostering our health and longevity. I tell my clients to shoot for 85 to 95% of the time consuming whole food plants and we create a framework from that uh, that makes it easy to determine what that looks like without stressing about what's on your plate and how it's going to work for each person. Because you know, many of my clients, I've, I've said this many times before, many of my clients do still eat animal foods on a regular basis. Uh, we In our house, we have just moved away from that. Uh, it naturally started to happen as we increased our plants. We just had less of a taste for animal foods. And you know now it has definitely turned into something where there's other reasons behind why I will choose not to have animal products lots of the time. Uh, I've done a lot more looking into the farming practices and all of that kind of stuff, which I'm not going to dive into on this episode, but that's a separate moral reason why, even though I have the flexibility to choose to eat animal products and still be healthy, it's not something that I am really wanting to do anymore. But I, you know, I, I help my clients with creating that framework of what that 85, 90% is going to look like for them and then how to fit in the foods, plug their foods in that they love and enjoy to make it work for them, to make it an ultimately long-term healthy lifestyle that will bring them many years of health. Keeping saturated fat low, uh, don't overindulge in ultra processed foods and the rest is up to you, right? Keeping saturated fat low is fairly easy when you are eating a plant predominant diet. Plants, most plants do not have saturated fat. Uh, things like coconut definitely have some saturated fat in there. And, you know, some, uh, that's something that you need to be mindful of and eat in moderation, but saturated fat primarily comes from animal products. It comes from dairy. It comes from eggs. It comes from meat, uh, saturate. That's where saturated fat comes from. And so by eating a more plant predominant diet, you're naturally decreasing your saturated fat. And it really shouldn't be much of an issue if, if you have the right framework and the right focus there, like what I teach with my clients and then not overindulging in ultra processed foods, which is not, this is not news to us. You know, we know that these packaged ultra processed foods where there's really very little nutritional value in those packages. We know that's not the best choice for us. Is it a choice that we still can make? Absolutely. But we don't want to be ending up at a place where packaged foods are a predominant focus of our diet. And sometimes because of the hustle, hustle culture that we live in, because of going back to back to back to back to back, it it's easier to reach for, or they make those ultra processed foods easy, easier to reach for. They are convenient, but I think we have to reassess our life in that way. If we are going to prioritize our health, we need to be taking some things off of our plate to reduce our stress levels, but we also need to be taking some things, 
the no pun intended there. <laughs> Usually I mean the food puns there, but I uh, didn't mean to bring the plant pun into to that part. But we also need to be looking at if we are allowing ourselves time to really eat a diet that is in alignment with our long-term health goals. And again, I think every single one of us would agree we want to live a long and healthy life. We don't want to live a life where we end up with a chronic disease that we have to manage until someday we pass away. Like, as a population, we are no longer passing away of old age. We are passing away from diseases that we are just managing in the final years of our life as best as possible and trying to enjoy any moment that we can. And that is not a happy place to be. So it really isn't that challenging. And the the variety that you get to have here, you know, if you are someone who likes low carb diets, for example, if your body actually feels better with lower carbs, you can do that and eat lots of plants. If you like high carb, if your body feels great with a high carb diet, you can do that and eat lots of plants. If you like high protein, you can do that and eat lots of plants. If you like higher fat, you can do that and eat lots of plants. And that's really the point to this episode. That is the best science-based diet. Everybody is unique. We all feel a little bit differently with a different combination of macronutrients. Uh, we all, you know, function a little bit better with certain things in, in, in certain proportions that are different than our neighbor. We all are very individual in that sense. And so if you've done one of those diets in the past and you actually have felt pretty great on it, but it was too restrictive and too, and, and, you know, was ending up causing deficiencies and things like that and health issues. There is a way for you to still do the part that brought you energy, whether it be low, like I said, low carb, high carb, high protein, higher fat, whatever it is, you can still bring that component into a plant predominant diet. And you'll probably feel even better by taking that aspect of that diet that felt great to you and turning it into a long-term, hey, this is the way that I eat that fuels my body best and not having this cycle of diets where diet is a noun, here is the diet I am on. Instead of having to define it in that way, it's just, hey, my body feels better when I eat lower carb and I'm going to eat plant predominant. My, feel, my body feels better when I eat more carbs and I'm going to eat plant predominant, right? You get that flexibility. That is the best science-based diet. Just eat a lot of plants. <laughs> Every single one of us is unique and different and different life stages too are going to require different things of your body, especially if you are a woman and, you know, you are in your childbearing years, you may need to eat more fat to support your hormones, especially postpartum. This is something I talk with my clients about a lot of the time. If you are menopause or postmenopausal, uh, there's definitely going to be some added benefits to increased fat during those times for hormones, but also uh, increased plant nutrients during that time to help support your adrenals. You know, as we age, we need to consume a bit more protein than when we are younger. We are going to need more grams of protein to help with, uh, because our body just synthesizes protein differently as we age. And so we want to make sure that we're hitting those healthy minimums to keep us you know, moving around and, and keeping our strength and keeping ourselves healthy as we age, but you get the freedom to decide what that variation looks like. And you can still be healthy as long as that foundation is whole food plants. Science continues to show again and again that there is no one right diet. There are so many ways in which we can be healthy and consume a different variety of foods than our neighbor. 
I mean, this is why we have some of this confusion in the nutrition space, because there are positive outcomes with high carb diets. There are positive outcomes with high protein diets. There are positive outcomes with high fat diets, because it is dependent on the person and the foods that comprise those diets and those lifestyles. But no matter what, eating more plants has got to be a part of that formula. And this is what I do in Simply Healthy Academy with my clients to improve their overall health, to heal from specific health issues that they have going on, because no matter what else they decide to eat and they decide to incorporate into their long-term lifestyle, those plants have got to be there. The 85-90%, the one thing that has stayed consistent over the decades in the nutrition science, when we look at the literature, the one thing that has stayed consistent is that eating those plants is what creates that long-term health and longevity. So thanks for listening as always. I hope this was helpful to give you the best science-based diet. I know you were kind of like, what? She's going to identify the diet that is best for us. Uh, There is no one diet. So take that, go on with your day, figure out the way that you want to live your life, eat more plants, and I will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Simply Healthy You podcast. If these episodes are resonating with you, go ahead and click that subscribe button and leave a review with all the great nuggets that you're taking away from today's episode. I promise you, I read every single one of them as your feedback is really valuable to me in creating future episodes. As your host, I look forward to having you join me for the next episode. But in the meantime, remember, keep it simple and eat more plants. (music) 